Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's topic, direct internal passport. Here we go. Folks, we recently launched our Effective Relationships product, 32 podcasts covering every possible combination of manager and direct and all of the disk profiles, D, I, S, and C. If you're going to send your directs out to uh, work in the organization, it might be helpful for them to understand what their natural tendencies are and be able to work with different types of folks all across the organization. Effective relationships might be a great way for them to become more effective at communicating with other people. Hope you'll consider it. See you there. You know, sometimes your directs have to work across organizational boundaries. For many of them, though, they don't have the experience in doing so and or they don't have strong relationships built where they need them to be, right? And right. so the question is, how can you, as a manager, how can you help? Oh, throw them to the wolves. Throw them to the wolves. That's the key. Let yeah. them learn on their own. Let's say learn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I had a boss, and I know it sounds corny, but I had a boss who was going to send me out to do that, and he said, you need a passport. I'm like, what? And then he proceeded to describe this process, which I've taught hundreds of people, and it works fabulously. Um, so look, the first step is you ask your direct. You don't do it for them. You ask your direct to plan out who they're going to need to talk to and where in the organization those people are when a project requires some cross-organizational work. They submit that to you, and then you review and supplement their list. Okay? It may be that they don't know anybody, or it may be that they have the wrong people. Um, and then, after you know, after you've built the list together, you've collaborated on it, you reach out to your network with introductions for your direct. Um, you don't send your direct naked into the world, period. Then give them some guidance. Uh, this is probably more true for an inexperienced person, but it wouldn't hurt to, to tell folks who are experienced how you do things. Uh, folks who are experienced, but who are new to your org, obviously. Otherwise, you wouldn't be doing this. Then you ask for follow-up communications or briefing from your direct after they've done some of this stuff. And then you also reach out to your network for input and find out how your direct did. Um, and, you know, every once in a while, you don't have to do this one, but my boss did, and it worked great. He would look at who I had met and where my relationships were, and he would assess that against the entire organization and where I needed to have relationships and made sure in the future that my relationships were being built across the organization and all the places I needed them. Uh, and it only took probably six months hmm. with five minutes at a time. It's pretty effective. Yeah, smart boss. Okay, so let's talk about, ask the direct to plan out who and where. So give me some parameters, if you would, and make, make those clear. Basically, this guidance is for when you've got a responsibility to delegate or a task to assign that requires some sort of interdepartmental work, right? The most common situation would be when the direct is, as I mentioned earlier, either inexperienced or new to your org. They may, in fact, be an experienced professional, but they don't know anybody in your org because you've recently hired them. So either they don't know how to go about getting somebody else in the company to help them get something done, or they know how to do that, but they don't know anybody in the organization, or at least they don't know the people that they need to know to get whatever needs to get done on this particular task or delegation. And this is the way we recommend you help them learn how to build and then to build their own networks. This is better than just assuming they know. One of, one of my favorite books is it, it, It's Okay to Be the Boss. And I think Bruce Tolgan wrote it. One of the things in there he says is, the problem with management is not 
micromanagement. That's what everybody decries, everybody complains about. That's not the problem. The problem is gross undermanagement. Managers have people working for them, don't meet with them, a la one-on-ones, don't know the strengths and weaknesses of the directs, don't give them detailed guidance, um, and they're always worried, oh, I don't want to insult my directs. That's not the problem. Um, everybody, when we ask at conferences, Danny and I ask at conferences, who'd like to know more about what's going on and know more about how they're doing from the boss, provided it was done briskly and efficiently and professionally? Everybody raises their hand, right? Everybody. So the problem is not that you're going to be perceived as micromanaging because, trust me, this is not what we're recommending. We're not recommending micromanaging. The problem is we don't give people enough information. Assuming people just know or assuming they don't want to be micromanaged, which is particularly dumb for a brand new hire. What would, how would they know what micromanagement is? They've never been managed before at any, le- at any real significant level. Uh, that actually just slows things down, in my opinion, right? Oh, let's let them go out and make mistakes. Oh, by the way, let's, make them, let's have them make a bunch of bad first impressions. Yeah, there you it'll go. mess up this project? Oh, and by the way, it'll poison the wealth. Well, <laughs> well it's like not as if relationships are important or anything to their career. Yeah, I, you know, let's blow them off. In fact, let's just, you know, let's do an April Fool's thing called Ah, relationships, who needs them? <laughs> right, because we know, I mean, because we know if you screw up a relationship, I mean, literally, it's it's probably two minutes to recover completely. Oh, two minutes, totally. Just wave your magic wand and you are good, my friend. <laughs> okay, yeah. Okay, so look, one, once you discover that you, there's some need to work across some boundaries, the first thing you do is ask the direct to figure out where and who they're going to need to reach out to. After you outline, after we outline the task or the responsibility, we ask them to consider who they'll need to work with. Just, just ask them, okay? And we assign them an early task of sending us a list of who they're going to talk to or telephone or email to assist with their work. Now, you'll notice, by the way, as a little aside, I said talk to, telephone, or email. You have to be careful that the direct will say, oh, I'll just send an email. And it absolutely doesn't work to start a relationship just by sending an email to somebody they don't know and saying, I need X. Because then that's perceived as a, as a responsibility deliverable. You're essentially putting a burden on someone whom you have no relationship with. In other words, there's no emotional bank account for you to withdraw from, and you end up starting in arrears with that person, and they don't even know you. So the reason I said talk to, and when by that I meant face-to-face, or telephone or email, is that's the order. And... When you look at their list or when you add people to their list, a part of that is telling them if they can get away with an email. And my recommendation is don't make them email, make them go across the different part of the department and talk to somebody face to face. Make them find out where that person's desk is or make them find out what that person's face looks like, right? I'll never forget being at a huge insurance company with gigantic building not a really tall building, but a really long building, low and long. And I was in, I want to say I was in building H and the person they needed to talk to was in building A. They were in different divisions. And they said, hey, do you know anybody over there? I'm like, yeah, but why don't you, I'm not your boss. Why don't you go find somebody? Oh, it's just so far. Yeah, like another country, right? (laughs) Yeah, it's just another country. Yeah, yeah. So. Make sure you give guidance about, hey, listen, you need to talk to that person face-to-face. And, and the default ought to be face-to-face. Now, look, we also recommend you only give them 24 hours to send you back the list. One of the things we teach in, in uh, Horseman's Law of Project Management is shorter 
um, task deadlines are better. There's a couple of reasons. First, that accelerates their planning because this is a planning step, right? Far too many inexperienced professionals combine what amounts to an early fear of failure in front of their boss and lack of knowledge about how to get things done um, in an organization. They combine those and it becomes a little bit of a toxic cocktail and they get paralyzed in the first few days of a project and they don't know what to do. Or actually, they think they know what to do, but they're afraid it's wrong and so they just spin their wheels. And look, the, the other reason is because you get early feedback on what they're doing and whether or not they've done it. So a deliverable, for example, would be by 3 p.m. tomorrow, send me a list of the people you'll need to talk to and what you'll need for them on this project based on what you know so far. Okay, so th this basically gives them a requirement. Now, now, you may say to them, hey, listen, let's collaborate on the first few tasks you're gonna, you're gonna do. Let's make sure that they're good. And you write them down and I'll write them down. And again, we're trying to get early progress. We're trying to create small things for them to do so they feel like they're making progress. They're, they're accomplishing things. What I like about this is that it gives folks, without telling them directly, that they got to start thinking about who they want to talk to, where they need to go, what, what's required, right? So it really gets them thinking more than just a list. It starts them thinking about a kind of a meta process around this initiative. Yeah, it's best, in fact, not to make suggestions early on who they're going to talk to. Let them deal with the uncertainty and let the deadline drive their behavior. Look, they may come back with an immaculate list so you're going to be blown away, like awesome, okay? And then look, positive feedback would be good then. If they don't, if they don't come back with a great list, it oughtn't be surprising, particularly if they're new or if they're new to the organization, either one or, or obviously both. The deadline is going to help you learn early what help they need from you. Maybe they've left off accounts payable entirely. I'm making that up, of course, because they didn't see that angle of working with vendors. Okay. Maybe they know they have to talk to supply chain guys, but they don't know anybody over there. So the key is let them work out the first draft of the list themselves. You set a deadline for them to send you a list and then you let them work on the list. They're only going to lose 24 hours one day if in fact they don't know anybody and they don't know what to do, okay? So what this does, whether they've got a little bit of experience or a lot or whatever, it helps them see their network in relief, right? Do I have the people I need to have? People think, oh, I know a lot of people, but then they realize there are big gaps because they know people clustered around one another because that's how networks grow. In order to grow a broad network that has strength in all areas, you have to do that with a little bit of intellectual approach rather than simply an organic approach. There's nothing wrong with organic if you're willing to wait long enough, but if you're smart, the professional says, I need, I need relationships across the entire organization. Telling them who they need to see solves the problem for them. And it doesn't teach them to solve it, in the, solve it themselves in the future, and that's not good. We've said this a thousand times, right? Your people have questions. Don't necessarily answer the question or solve the problem for them. All you're doing is teaching them, bring me your problems and I'll solve them. And you'll create a, a team of people who can't solve their own problems and will be paralyzed when you're not in the office. Right. But we're not throwing them to the wolves, right? So we're having them take a cut. No, yeah. You send it to you, right? Now, now you're going to have a chance to review it and supplement the list. I mean, there may be some... Some things you know, we hope so, right, that your direct doesn't. So you're going to review and supplement the list. 
Yeah, look, it's it, this is normal, right? After they've drafted the list, you look at their list, you add to it the people you think that they're going to need to work with. You know, for somebody who's less experienced, newer in their career, you may only point out who they'll talk to on the first round of their outreach. Maybe you see later on they're going to need to talk to some other people, but that would just confuse them. The idea that there are 12 people on the list, only four of which they need to talk to right now, and 12 people is too many and might overwhelm them. For somebody who's more experienced, you might take them all the way through who they're going to need to have in the entire project and who they're going to do their pre-wire with when it comes to that, when they're involved in the decision brief at the end even if those people that they're going to pre-wire with are not involved in the early stages. So assess how many people, how many faces your direct can have in their head as you're discussing with them. And for newer people, it'll probably be less, and that's fine. If your direct knew at some level, right after you described the project, that they needed to talk to somebody in purchasing, but they didn't know who, for, for whatever reason, they don't, they don't know anybody over there, or they've never worked in the organization, so of course they don't or they don't know the specialists in the different departments, look, you just fill in the blank for them. We don't want them to flail around. We don't want them to fail. We want them to try, and we want them to learn to try, okay? We want them to do as much as they can without help, and then we help. Again, don't, don't say to yourself, well, they'll figure it out. They'll be figuring out and messing up and, and burning bridges inside of your own network which is just not good. Hey, your guy, you know, I can just see it. Hey, your guy was over here, horseman. Yeah, he was funny. I said, really? And of course, it was funny to my buddy, but to me, I'm like, really? What, what was that about? He says, oh God, the dude, dude was flipping through pages. He couldn't find the stuff. He was late, he was sweaty, he ran. It was, yeah. yeah. I'm like, I'm like, oh man. So now not only is the guy probably not get done when he needed to get done, but now my buddy's laughing at me and I still owe him something. I didn't get anything. But I still owe him something, probably. So, And my director is not going to come back and say, chapter and verse, how he messed up. Okay, so now you've done all that, right? Now we know, and, and your direct knows, who she needs to talk to and who she needs to meet. The next step is to reach out to your network with introductions. And it's interesting, and, yeah, and sure. this, this is obvious maybe to some people, but there's, there's a little twist to this that uh, I found very interesting. Yeah, so look, we help by sending a brief email to those folks whom they'll be asking for help. It's not fancy, guys, because otherwise too many of us won't do it. It can be something as simple as this. Allie, one of my guys, Dana Anderson, will be reaching out to you shortly to get some help on this new supply chain software upgrade. I'd appreciate it if you or your team would give him the time he needs. I hope he impresses and you two get on well. Let me know if there's anything he or I can do for you. Cheers, Rex. The point you're getting ready to make, I think, is the point that I find to be a little twist because most folks would copy they're direct and, and yeah. don't do it. Yeah. So I learned this process without email. Okay. I started teaching it and uh, email came along and I used email. And as a matter of transparency, I would copy my directs. Well, what would happen was you would see the direct would immediately send a mail right after, right? I sent, I sent it to my buddy, Ozan and my direct is Wendy and I copy Wendy on my note to Ozan and it says Mike hey Wendy's gonna come over and talk to you well immediately after Mike sends back sure and he copies both of us Wendy makes the mistake of assuming that 
the strength of my relationship with you is now hers to trade on, she immediately writes back under the cover of you saying yes and is way too familiar in my, this is my experience over doing this 20 or 30 times and, and doesn't work on building a relationship. They simply just become a, a pair of hands that is trading on your relationship and they don't build their own relationship. And that's not what we're trying to do here. We're not trying to make it easy for them to do the project. Yes, we want it to be easy, but heck, so many managers make it hard. We're not just trying to make it easy. Our job is not to make it easy. Our job is to make our folks effective now and in the future, to make them productive, to make them profitable for the organization. And so we don't copy them. And that way, I say to, I say to Mike, hey dude, one of my people's you know, coming over, give them their best, you know, give them your best. And I'm assuming that, look, I might reach out to you, but it may be somebody who reports to you. And so I'll tell you, I think he is gonna need to, uh, Wendy's gonna need to talk to Joe, who works for you. And I'm hoping that you'll send a note to Joe, forward it on and go, hey, horse, one of Horseman's people, Wendy is gonna come over. And so Joe, you know, the, she has my blessing. So, you know, take care of her. And then when Wendy goes over, oh yeah, Mike told me you were coming. In other words, Wendy knows that there's a relationship between Mark and Mike, but she's still having to create a relationship with Joe. Or if I don't copy her and she, you say, yeah, then when, he, when you get the mail from Wendy that says, hey, I wanna come over and talk to you, you are, you are made aware, okay, this is the person, I'm gonna be paying attention, I'm, I'm gonna do Mark a favor and give her the time even though I don't have any time. And I know Mark is gonna expect me to give him some feedback on how she does. Rather than her just acting as if, oh, the relationship's already open, I already have an invitation, it'll be easy to get time. You wanna separate it. This all assumes though that the manager actually has a, a network that she can leverage in this whole process. Well, they do, right? They do, right? Because they're listening to manager tools. So we don't, we don't worry about that. We put that cast out, what, eight years ago? And we know that everybody has perfect networks and so this will be fine. Yeah, yeah. You, you can call me Pollyanna if you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, guys, if you don't have a good enough network to do this, bing, you know, there's a cast for that. And start on it, start on it. Look, I, I don't know that I ever told this story, but when I started my, my consulting firm years, what is it, 20 plus years ago, 20, oh God, more than that, I reached out to my network. And some, somebody asked me the day, how come you think you're successful as a consultant? I said, because early on I had friends with corporate budgets. I make no bones about it. I wasn't a great consultant when I started consulting. I was pretty smart about some things, but I wasn't a great consultant. I learned a lot in the first couple of years, but my first client, John Hoffman, my first roommate at West Point and one of the greatest guys I know, I said, hey, I, I wanna consult you. And he's like, okay, here's how much budget I got, it's yours. And that's network, right? And guys, you gotta have a network. And if you're not working on your network now, that's not good. And I will tell you something else that happened to me just recently. I talked to somebody who's a listener who works in New York City, in Manhattan. And he said, Mark, relationships are so hard in Manhattan. I could not believe that there are millions of professionals within five miles of each other. And this person had the impression that they were hard in New York City. It's just too many, they're just too many. Yeah, well, too many and they're too close together and they're all in these tall buildings. And, yeah, all yeah. within walking distance. Try, oh. try New York as opposed to Wichita <laughs> for relationships. Yeah, okay. So next, 
provide guidance on cross-boundary relationships. So you actually can give your your folks some guidance before they start just like running yeah, off. flailing around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, now, some of you will be put off by this because you're going to say, again, I don't want to micromanage. I don't want to be a teacher. I don't want to be pedantic. Uh, I don't want to, I certainly wouldn't do this with somebody who's more experienced. I would argue to just put your disagreement or your, your hesitancy in neutral for a minute because there's a rationale for this that is not just teaching. It is inculcating your values into your team, okay? Um, if you believe in results and relationships, as we do here at Manager Tools and Career Tools, as sort of the watchwords of a professional's success, then you need to recognize that what you're doing now is teaching, you're essentially teaching as if teach not, which is a standard sales technique, but if you don't do this, don't be surprised at what kind of relationships and, and what kind of uh, interactions your people have. You don't know, it, particularly if somebody's new, you know, I'm amazed every year, of course it's a function of academic creep, I'm amazed every year at stories I hear about what people do. Look, there was just an article in the Wall Street Journal the other day saying, oh, more companies really feel that the cutting edge of new employee relationships is inviting their parents to come to the office, inviting their parents to come with them to uh, outings and events and so on. I mean, wow. seriously, I nearly coughed up a lung. I, I, I couldn't even... <laughs> I, I, I can I imagine. I can only I mean, imagine. One, somebody sent it to me, and I, I, I need to send them a note and say thank you. I, I just, I'm reading this. I'm going, oh, it's April Fools. It, it totally is April <laughs> Fools. I, I couldn't. I mean, the worst thing in the world you could do to a young professional is imply to them that their relationship with their parents early on in their professional career was something that could be leveraged. If you're a manager of a 22, 23, 24-year-old young professional, their relationship with their parents is extremely important to them. And we can have a long discussion. Some people will argue about this. You and the organization in the next five years essentially are going to create for them a fundamentally new parental relationship, if you will. Now look, this is not family, and don't please don't write me an email, but, but look up in loco parentis and look up the history of universities and colleges, essentially saying the child is le leaving their parents and we have responsibility for this. And folks, you can't, you can't do that, just, just so you know. This can always be the cast that Mark rants about companies having relationships with kids' parents. Yeah. You may think that it'll help you recruit them. It, it may, in fact, do so. I, I would argue you would recruit some of the wrong people because, you, folks, you have been misled if you believe that millennial generation kids have a hugely different relationship with their parents than those of us who are 50 or older do. They, they don't. Uh, and there are people who have been paid money in order to tell you that they do, um, but they don't. And your responsibility is to create in them a new relationship with a different authority figure, not you, but the organization. So, all right, enough. Before your direct starts meeting outside of your team, or it may be a little bit more broadly than outside your team, spend a few minutes and brief him or her on how to conduct themselves professionally across the organization. And look, you wanna keep this guidance simple, you don't overdo it. You don't give them 20 pieces of guidance because different behavioral tendencies, if you're a D and they're an S, for instance, cause differences in approaches. And you don't want to try to make your direct into you, usually. 
and there are too many vagaries, uh, too many intricacies of each relationship to be able to give them specific guidance that will work in all situations. So you're going to be a little bit general and overly simple, but here's the basic guidance. And that doesn't mean give them no guidance, that's dumb. Okay, so first, be professional. Do what you say you're going to do. If you say you're going to follow up, even if it seems moot to follow up, do so anyway. Be timely. Do what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it. Don't hesitate to talk to people about deadlines. Be fast. This goes with timelines and timeliness. Cross-organizational work always takes twice as long as you think. They have different priorities than us. Assume your stuff is lower than whale poop to them. Okay. Over-communicate. Don't assume other people know. Include them in emails if there's a chance they would want to know. They can delete them if they like. Ask, don't tell. You don't have a lot of authority. You can't use my power or even our power. You have to persuade people who we don't have a direct relationship with. An ounce of honey beats a gallon of gall. By the way, this is a great exercise for high Ds. They have to learn to not burn their bridges every time just to get what they want. Keep me in the loop until I tell you that you don't have to anymore. This doesn't mean copy me on every mail. That's a bad habit. You'll be sending them a wrong message. But you're going to be mucking around in my network, so keep me briefed. Under-escalate. Because you're going to keep me in the loop, if I don't suggest escalating, you probably don't have to. Far better to wait longer than prudence suggests than it is to pull the trigger too fast. Great and <laughs> Yeah, And assume you'll be reported on by others because I've asked them to, and you will be. All right. So next step, ask for follow-up communications or briefing. It's not enough just for them to keep you in the loop. You want them to come back and give you a little bit more detail than that? Yeah. Part of this is I, I discovered this is that one guy would naturally tell me stuff. And then what I heard from the network was completely different. I used to call, <laughs> I used to call him Mr. Fantasy. When, when your direct briefs you on the progress and status, ask them to be more than usually detailed about the deliverables and the interactions that involve folks outside your area. We put special emphasis on that because we have more influence and control the closer to the organization the work is being done to us. And the further it is away, the more oversight, the more attention we want to have because it's more likely things will break, more likely things will fail, right? So cross-organizational work is inherently harder and so it makes sense for us to provide greater oversight. Ask more questions when you're getting status about work that's outside the team. And then the next thing we do is we reach out to our network for input after our folks have gone around, do-de-do-de-do-de-do, got to go find finance, got to go find accounts payable, right? Yeah, we get to know if Mark's burning bridges out there, pissing off yeah, everybody exactly. he runs into. Yeah. Actually, I did I did pretty good. Did you? Because I had been in sales. Yeah, oh, I, I actually you. did pretty good. I mean, I, I'm, sure I, I'm sure I poked some people in the eye. I could just see Mark Granger and Rich Rue and... Um, keep holding, going, rolling their eyes, and Tom Hausman rolling their eyes and going, yeah, he might have. So basically, we combine what the direct tells us about what they did when they talked to Ozan or Joe or Allie or whomever, and we combine that with what our network tells us about them. It doesn't take any more than 30 seconds to ask a colleague, hey, my guy Dana was over there. How'd he do? What were your impressions? Any positive or negative feedback I can share? And by the way, when you get vague comments, see if you can't drill down and get actual behavior. 
um, so that you can give feedback on that behavior rather than just saying, yeah, my guy didn't like you. <laughs> that's, not, that's not actually feedback. Good. And then the last step in this process, assess outreach versus needs. What do you, what do you mean by that? Yeah. So you don't have to do this every time, but if, if you want to round out your direct, ask yourself, who has she worked with outside of the team? And what projects or work can I assign her to help her grow her network? I'm not suggesting that you assign projects just in order to fill up holes in a network, but at least you ought to know where the holes are and where the strengths are. Some directs might need different networks in different areas. You'll probably end up doing it on a case-by-case -case basis. But let's assume there are 10 departments in your medium-sized company. And um, Dana, who works for you, just got assigned a project that really worked a lot with uh, logistics and finance, right? Well, maybe the next project could be something with sales and marketing. Maybe it doesn't fit, right? Or if there's a really important project with sales and marketing that's going to be really involved, maybe Dana's not the person to do it if, in fact, they don't have a network over there. It just depends. But don't not consider the kind of projects, the kind of relationships, the kind of networks your directs have when you're thinking about assigning work. You can leverage it sometimes, and at times you can help them build their network. And you ought to be talking to your folks about their networks periodically during their one-on-ones, separate from the project work they're doing. And that's it, yeah. So, yeah, quick wrap up. Ask the direct to do the work themselves to plan out who and where they're gonna to talk to. Then you take a look at the list and perhaps round it out a little bit for them. You introduce them to your network. Email's okay for that. Give them some guidance on cross-boundary relationships. Takes a couple minutes, but this is how you develop your people. Ask for them to brief you back on how it went. Ask your network for input so you can validate that against what your direct tells you actually happened. And then keep in mind how they're building their network and assess where they're strong and weak versus possible projects you could do to help them do that. Uh, look, this is the kind of basic stuff so few managers do. I shared it with a guy who was wanting more opportunity and he said, my boss definitely doesn't do this kind of stuff, right? But look, there's, there's nothing complex here. We're just gonna take a couple extra minutes. We're gonna lay the groundwork for a better organization and a better direct. Everybody wins, and like I said, it just takes a few minutes. Awesome, my friend, appreciate that. You bet, partner, anytime. All right, we'll see you. Thanks everyone, that's it. We'll see you next week. Have a great one, so long.